This is the 20th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Strike King Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, Pro, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning, and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk bass fishing. We have a lot to talk about today. We have the first day of competition for the MLF Bass Pro Tour on a very chilly Santee Cooper. We also are wrapping up practice for the Bassmaster Elite Series on Toledo Bend, two historic fisheries in Toledo Bend and Santee Cooper. And then we're going to talk to someone who's on Kentucky Lake. So let's just do a three for three. I would say of all time, three of the top five uh, fisheries that uh, that there are in tournament fishing. Uh, today is the Bassmaster Open EQ Lake Washita recap show, one of the most popular features on BTL. Uh, and this year we're going to alternate between Tristan McCormick and Dakota Ebear, uh, who are going to break down after each open uh, their performances. We got Tristan on for the first two. Dakota is practicing for the Toyota series on Rayburn uh, currently. And then in the second half of the show, a new feature on BTL prior to each elite series tournament, Johnny Schultz from Fish the Moment will come on and statistically break down how the elite series tournament should go down on that fishery. So he's got all sorts of data. He sent me a uh, a PDF PowerPoint presentation. So he's going to jump on in the second half of the show, and we are going to break down what should go down at Toledo Bend for the opener in the Bassmaster Elite Series. Also, if you guys are looking for fantasy fishing information, uh, Andrew Upshaw's Open Pros Pick'em Show went live on the Andrew Upshaw YouTube channel. Uh, Andrew, myself, Ish, and Todd Castledine with our picks, so a popular show back there. All right. I, I like having guys on the water during the show, but I also feel bad, especially when they're biting, because you know they're sitting there going, dude, let's get done with the podcast so we can get back to catching fish, but they're doing the professional thing. That is... Uh, that is Tristan McCormick this morning. Tristan, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping on BTL. Man, you stay on the water, bro. <laughs> yeah, man, we're out here on my home pond, Kentucky Lake, and uh, you know we got a BFL coming up this weekend. So with a little gap between Wachita and Santee Cooper, I decided to uh, hop into BFL and hopefully snatch up a couple smallmouth here on Kentucky Lake. And Matt, I tell you what, Kentucky Lake is slowly coming back. It's on the rise. You know, we talked a little bit before the show that. You know, Kentucky Lake's mainly becoming a big smallmouth fishery, and it's just incredible to, you know, to see see a couple years ago the transition of, you know, it was terrible a couple years ago. Now it's slowly starting to come back and seeing life back in the lake, so that's always awesome. It was. Do you think that was a cyclical a cyclical thing with the lake? Was there anything specific? Was it lack of grass? Was it 100% the Asian carp? I mean, you have a pretty good pulse on that pond. What do you think it was that caused that dip? And then why do you think the resurgence has been primarily with the smallmouth and not with the largemouth like we used to have seen out there? Well, the biggest thing for me, you know, people don't realize Kentucky Lake is the bottom end of the Tennessee River, so we hold all the water. And, um, you know, we have a lot of fluctuations. So, and it always happens around the spawn. So okay. when that water shoots up, um, you know, traditionally the fish will go up with it and try to spawn. And then in two days, it'll suck dry. So in my opinion, that's the biggest reason why we saw a gap in the last couple of years and why it was so bad, because we lost all that 
all that generation of fish, the spawn that we should have had. But the last couple of years, TVA, they've kept the water low. You know, they've kept it around 356, 357. They have allowed, you know, the fish to go up and spawn. So we're seeing a lot of 12, 13, 14 inches, which are the last couple of years of spawn. So, you know, that truly helps, um, you know, the carp are i don't think a big issue they've learned to live around them um and then you know guys fishing for them they're they're putting a big hurt and dent in them so that's always a good thing but you know no grass you know that that uh is a big deal but i don't think within the next 10 years we won't have grass back i just i mean i'm sitting out here right now and they're yanking current it's just it's just so hard when there's so much current you know it rips up all the seed if there is anywhere that is mm -hmm. growing and it just shanks it up out of the water so no, that's my two cents on it, but, you know, people have all other sayings about it as well. It, it is interesting also the smallmouth. I know a couple of guys that fish out there and they're, I mean, dude, they're so pumped at how healthy the smallmouth population is in Kentucky. We also saw that Toyota series last year, I think first and second, we're all smallmouth. So that's got to be fun too. Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't like to catch TVA smallmouth. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, like that Toyota, the top 10, there was two guys in the top 10 that had large mouth and of course it was steve and cole floyd um you know they went frogging and doing all kinds of other stupid stuff but you know everybody else had small <laughs> mouth so but no it was you know it was a great event and uh you know the bfl i'm sure the small mouth are gonna be the same way in this event as well i mean they're out here biting in 18 inch small mouth right now weighs like four and a half five pounds so it's incredible how big they are Wow. All right. Let's talk Washita a little bit. Uh, you went 12, 15, 13, 8, 26, 7 for a 41st place finish. Just talk a little bit about your uh, mindset heading into Washita. Yeah. So, you know, heading into Washita, um, we both, me and you both, Matt, like clear water, um, you know, like to do our deal offshore. And in doing a little bit of research, I knew there was a ton of spotted bass in there. And, you know, right off the rip, first day of practice, I went out there, put the trawl motor down. You know, they were swimming basically everywhere and i started catching there a pound and a half pound and three quarter and i was like oh boy here we go so i knew right then and there that you know catching a, a two plus pound spot was going to be in my opinion pretty hard so you know there's got to be creeks there's got to be pockets where those largemouth are staging up doing their winter pattern deal and uh, you know that's kind of what i lean towards and you know i got two creeks gotten two creeks and found you know found them floating everywhere and they were all large mouths so that's just kind of what i rolled with but you know day one had 12 15 and i caught a three pound large mouth right off the rip and i was oh, like wow yeah i was like dude we're gonna be good it was funny because like there was 10 boats in this little pocket where i wanted to start so here i come hauling the mail shut her down right in front of everybody threw, threw the troll motor down and there's five of them sitting there floating dude I went five for five on the first five casts, and there it was oh my, my limit gosh. right off the dot. And dude, them guys were like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And I was like, "Hey, I'm sorry, you know." But uh, but you know, after that, I I, I milled around in there, and uh, you know, just I, I felt weird. Like, I dude, I caught fifty, sixty fish that day, and you know, after day one, I had twelve, fifteen, and I was like, "Man, you know, this was." I worked my tail off for this and, you know, it had me like in 60th place. And I, we both thought going into this tournament, you know, 13 pounds a day was mm -hmm. going to be solid, which, you know, it ended up being. And, uh, but day two, I was like, you know, I'm going to change something up. And me and Cody Meyer roomed together and he was like, dude, I caught him in the grass in the last hour. So I was like, I'm going to go start in the grass day two. So I rolled up to a place that was overcast, windy, beautiful conditions. I picked up the new gravel dog from Strike King, threw it out there, and within you know ten minutes, I caught a four and two threes. Oh my god! I was like, I was like, now nah, this is what we're talking. So, 
I fished around, fished around, caught a two and a half, and I saw one out there floating. It was like a one, a one six. I weighed it. It was a one six uh, spotted bass. And dude, I could not get rid of that thing for the life of me. So I ended up weighing in a one six, and uh, you know, I had thirteen, whatever, I had thirteen six, thirteen eight. But dude, you know, if I if I could have got rid of that spot with even like a two and a half, two and three quarter pound largemouth, that would have you know gained me. 10 15 more places because that's how tight Watchta was and mm-hmm. you know and we both know going to Clearwater Reservoir everybody's so good at scoping and you know those that 12 to 15 pound range of a lake you know you go to a lake 12 15 pounds is really good like it's going to separate you know half a pound is going to be several places so that's what it ended up being but you know all in all a good event um got some good points kind of averaged out that you know 78th place finish at Okeechobee so we're, we're kind of right back on track just easing underneath the radar was it difficult for you to try to figure out what you wanted to do on Washita? Because I had never uh, seen the lake before. It wasn't until I got there that I realized, oh my gosh, this thing uh, has a viable fish population up the river in the mud that you can crank spinnerbait and chatterbait. It's got uh, clear water down south. It's got grass. You can trap in it. You can do all sorts of stuff on this lake. I didn't realize that it would be so multifaceted with so many different options. Yeah, I didn't either, man. You know, I, I kind of, I stuck to the offshore gang. Um, it's just what I love to do. But, dude, like, even in practice, like, everybody was out there scoping. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, that, that makes me feel good. You know, it's going to be a scoping derb. And, dude, I didn't realize, like, you know, that grass there was crazy. I've never seen grass grow in, like, 35 feet of water. And, uh, you know, they just, you think about it, though, those largemouth, like, that is their, their best all-around habitat to live in, in my opinion. Um, gives them plenty of cover, bait fishes in there, and yada yada yada. But you know, I just stuck with the dang off, you know, offshore scoping, throwing my little minnow at them, and you know, I didn't realize I didn't even go up the river. I never went past uh, Crystal, uh, Crystal Springs. Creek. Yeah, Crystal Springs, whatever. I never went past there in practice, dude. You know, and I, I really wish I would have. And me and Cody talked about that last night, and we was like, dude, when we practice, we gotta kind of, you know because you have so many days you got four and a half mm-hmm. days you you got to look at the rivers you got to you know look at the dam you got to look at all aspects of it but you know for me talk about practice for like how you practice like when when we have so many days of practice you just kind of like oh you know moseying <laughs> around i'm gonna go over here and fish but dude before you know it that five days is up and you've looked at a quarter of the lake so, that's what i ran into too i pulled my trolling motor up twice on the first day of practice and i got off the water and was like well i don't know whether that was incredibly productive or incredibly dumb because i felt exactly. like i was fishing new water but i also kind of got a feel where those fish were floating around out there uh but i did the same thing like i i i didn't go up up uh, and we'll talk about what i did because i think it's crazy we did the exact opposite things uh of what we did but uh on the Demiki. Uh, or the minnow on the jig head talk a little bit about that exact bait and do you think the head size was important because if you went five for five in the first morning i probably went two for 30 so you know i i can't believe i'm saying this but i will um <laughs> I, I i kind of uh do a little different than everybody else and everybody's like I got to get that, you know light light head on there i'm like dude the smallest head i threw a week was a half I had a half, a three quarter, a one ounce, and an ounce and a quarter tied on. Holy um, smokes! So for me, I've seen um, you know East Tennessee type fish and like Cherokee and whatnot, and and a lot of other clear like Table Rock, Clearwater Reservoirs. That the faster you get it to them, the it's going to be more like a reaction bite. 
So when you, you drop a three-quarter on one that's 25 feet below the surface, and that thing's just hauling ass to it, and, and he sees it, he automatically shoots up to it and bites it right away. Instead of, you know, throwing an eighth ounce out there or a quarter or three sixteenths, whatever it might be, and just kind of letting it float down. And then, of course, you got to think, too, they're swimming. So you got to make that perfect cast, you know, lead them, let it fall down there in front of them, then they'll see it mosey on up there. But, dude, I'm telling you, if you just if you drop a big one on them, they're dobbing. <laughs> That's interesting. That's exactly what I did. I was doing a three-eighths, uh, and I was literally opening my bail and letting it go to the fish. And what I figured out in practice was very, very rarely could you get one that came up, followed it, and ate it, or caught one when you were shaking it in the top. It was like half of them didn't care, half of them, or quarter of them, it was like you didn't see it. And then a quarter or then 10% would react, but not eat it. And then 10% would kamikaze it and they would swim up. They would meet the thing and you would just see your bait stop uh, falling. But I didn't go uh, even heavier than that. That That's an interesting. So you're almost treating it uh, like a jigging spoon or a punching bite or something like that. And then if they didn't react to it, you just go on to the next one, right? Stroll on. Wow. An ounce. Oh, and you're still throwing that ounce on a spinning rod, huh? Yep. I got one right here. All right. This is uh this is a homemade one. You, I mean you can see how big that head is. Yeah, is that just a little one aught hook that you pour in there? Yep. 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 Wow. So and of course baby Z two. Um yep. now I like I like a, a baby Z two on a round ball head because if you if you guys, you know, whoever scopes out there is watching this, you you're trying to make your rig, you put a baby Z two on a ball head and you put a baby Z two on a head like this, like a true to Mickey head. Watch it how it falls on scope. When you when you put the Z2 on a ball head, that thing's just straight down to the bottom. When you put it on, you know, a bigger head, you know, there's a ton of them out there, but it'll spiral down. And in my opinion, I, I hate that because I wanted to get down there to them as fast as I can because everybody knows when they're deep. And I was catching them out of 45 to 80 feet. And when they're that deep, you've got to get something to them as fast as you can. So, you know, a half-ounce ball head, a three-quarter-ounce ball head, on a baby z2 shoots down there like you've never seen before and then are you able to throw that on a little bit heavier line or what are we what are we working with for the uh for the leader line yeah so i mean i was i was just throwing 10 pound contra um i don't think and when that instance like in that type of bite the line size really don't matter because it's coming to mm -hmm. them so fast you know and like i said they're either gonna bite it right off the rip or you're, you're not gonna get a bite and just gonna go to the next one so no, I I throw eight to ten. That's all I throw. I don't care if it's muddy. It's just my comfort zone, I, you know. And and at watch tiles throwing ten pound, and you know you could hit them a little harder than you could with eight, of course. It's interesting the different styles that we're starting to develop with the uh, Demiki or the ballhead minnow. You're starting to see guys like like you were power fishing it. I talked to another angler who finished in the top uh, thirty of this event. And he was throwing like a three sixteenths and a quarter and coaxing those deeper fish in. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, oh yeah, I would shake it and I would, I would get it kind of strolling down there and I really have to finesse them. And then they would just come up and bite it. So I think what we're seeing now as this becomes more and more popular are different styles of guys, just like you have different styles of crankers, different styles of flippers, different styles of finesse guys. You're seeing different styles of Demiki rig guys, uh, as far as power, as far as finesse, as far as fishing for active fish, as far as staying in an area or covering water on high bypass until you see fish that are floating high. It's really kind of cool to kind of watch this whole thing evolve before our eyes over the last couple of years. 
Yeah, it is. And, it, you know, like I said, you know, you got different jig fishermen, people, everybody fishes a jig different, everybody cranks different, and this is going to be the same way. Everybody's going to scope different, whether, mm-hmm. you know, you're fishing a drop shot at them or Domeki, and it's just cool because you can kind of still put your two cents and put your flavor in to, in your mind, think that, okay, I'm producing more bites than this guy in this creek because I'm doing something completely different. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that really does help your mindset, uh, you know, because tournament fishing is all about your mind. Uh, Swimbait on a prairie said, "Just catching bass that deep kill the fish." And my, uh, from what I experienced, even the fish that were thirty, like they would swim up to eat that bait. So you would have fish go from fifty to forty, or or forty to twenty, or twenty to ten. Like I never had any issues with any of my fish. All the ones that I called swam right back down. My fish swam in the live well. Now they swam at the top, but they were extremely healthy. They felt firm. I'm a hundred percent confident that those fish survived yeah you know and and I'll, I'll i'll throw my two cents on that as well so you know you take like me or you who whoever made that comment you, you put on scuba gear can't talk you put on scuba gear and you go down to the bottom in 50 foot you're not just going to shoot straight up to the top mm-hmm. you know you're going to come up 10 feet set there let the pressure and then 10 feet 10 feet but when we pull these fish out of deep water as fast as we do I fizz every one of them because, you know, I don't want the air bladder to erupt or whatever. And fizzing fish is not bad at all. I think it's the best thing you can do. If you're comfortable with doing it, I think you definitely need to do it. Um, so everyone I caught, you know, you could see their, their throat in, in their crushers, their stomach kind of come out and you just pop them with a needle and it, it just sucks it right back down in there. They lay on their side perfectly how they should and they're fine all day. And, you know, even at the bass tanks, the release tanks, all those mm-hmm. guys were popping them. That's just what you got to do. I mean, as deep as we're catching them, it's not bad form. It's not bad form to float on their side all day. But, you know, at some point, eventually that they're going to have to get popped, in my opinion. Now, I find it interesting. So your your tournament was in reverse to my tournament. Uh, day one of the tournament, sunny, slick conditions, warm. I found that the Demiki, the offshore fish were virtually gone in every area that i had had them and incredibly difficult to bite on uh the second day i started off with a three and a two and a half right away uh Demiki rigging but you didn't seem to have any problem getting bit in that sunny slick or was that a time of the day where we just associate deep fish floating around they're gonna bite all day but there was a feeding window early in the morning in that low light before it got tough there was there was definitely a feeding window, you know. As soon as I put the trauma around, like the first fifteen I threw at, I caught, and uh, you know, r- really quick after that, you could, you know, they'd shoot up to it and start trailing it, mm-hmm. and you know, one might bite it halfway back to the boat or whatever. But it definitely did get a little tougher. Um, and there is definitely a, uh, a a bite window scoping whether you're at Wachita or anywhere in the country. I think, um, but you know, as the the slick calm condition, I don't think that necessarily matters as as much in my opinion just because you're it's it's almost like you're force feeding them you know you're, you're trying to get that reaction so if you throw out enough of them eventually you know you're going to get in a little area where everyone you throw at is going to bite and then you're going to get another area where you see a bunch and they're just going to follow it and trail it and not bite i mean it happens whether it's at seven o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock at night or noon or if it's sunny or if it's calm or whatever it is so yeah that, that's you know that's my two cents on it uh, the gravel dog new crankbait from Strike. It's got like a wart-like bill, but it's a or a series four bill on a square bill yep. body. Is that kind of the? 
Yes, so that's that's necessarily it. And uh, we have two different sizes, the 8s and the 10s. You know, the 10, I could get to run. I was throwing it on 10-pound Contra. I got it to run about 12 to 14 feet. Um, and with that wind, you just get the wind behind you. You can bomb that thing a mile. You know, it's a really, really good throwing crankbait. Um, it works good. It's easy to reel. And, it, man, it just gets bit. And you caught those in the clear water, or did you run to the mud to catch them cranking? Clear water. Straight no across joke. Yep. Really? Dude, so, I, I was still I was still scoping them, so I I throw that plug out there, and the gravel dog it wouldn't get in the grass, but mm -hmm. you could it'd be like five or six foot above, it, and dude, you just see them whoosh, straight up out of the grass and boom. I mean, it was a really really cool bite. Okay, so this kind of leads into what I did on day two. I, I had a good day two. I had sixteen even, uh, and Hammer. didn't realize till the end of the day that I had an upper twenties bag touching my bait. But same thing that you did, I started out scoping and I did one of those things where I ended up really close to the bank because I hadn't looked up and I didn't have a co-angler. And when I got to the bank, I saw uh, a group of, uh, you know, three up there. So I pick up the jerk bait, fire it up there, twitch it and catch a two and a half. So I ended up, I had about 13 pounds, but I was like, well, maybe there's something to this. So I was getting real shallow real shallow looking at that grass and just casting a little jerk bait short cast because you know how much timber was up there and they were garbage looking banks but if i could see a little i could tell there was something around that timber and in the grass and if you pop that jerk bait you could get them to come up after it and you really had to pop it and pop it up and really just do 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 and they would start darting all around it and doing somersaults around it and then eventually get it so I ended up getting 13, 13 and a half, probably 14 pounds doing that. And one out of about five or six would be like big, like where you could see the tail on the scope. Yeah. And it's only 20, big, 30 big. foot, 20 or 30 foot in front of the boat because you're making pitches in that timber. It's, you know, you're sitting in like 12, casting up into like two or two to four foot, really odd stuff. Uh, and they would do somersaults and I could see their tails and I finally had one hook it. And it was a five pounder. And it was then that I realized, holy cow, all these suckers are, are bass. So it was wild. Yep. And then on day one, I, I had like eight pounds and I put everything up, uh, tied on a red plug and ran 20 miles up the, from where I was in the Blakely's all the way up the middle river until it got muddy and called everything out in half an hour. Had never been up there and never even had a plug tied on, nothing. Like I had eight pounds. I went in one cove and caught a two pounder off every single secondary point in the cove and culled out all my spotted bass in wow. 30 minutes at two o'clock. Man, I heard that Blakely Creek was really good. Um, I went in there and played around, but I never, I never got on anything. But it looked really good in there. And, and like you were saying, the timber, you know, making those short, you know, little short pitches at them on scope with a jerk bait. You know, Zach Burge did that same thing um, at the first stop at Toledo Bend, I think. Yeah, they were at Toledo Bend. And it was it was kind of the same deal when you said that. That's kind of what it reminded me of. And But, man, that, that, that stuff's just crazy, man. There's so many different ways to catch them. You know, like you were jerking. A lot of guys were throwing minnows. And it's kind of just pick your poison type deal, what we said earlier. So, you know, that's that's super cool. It is. Uh Looking forward to Santee Cooper. Like I said, BPT is on Santee right now. We're there in a week and a half. Uh, 
you got to be excited to get there. I mean, if you're, you're kind of a big fish guy, you like to muck it up and get shallow, but there's also probably going to be some spinning rods, possibly some forward facing sonar in play there. Obviously some guys who aren't even going to look at their graphs there. That'll top yeah. 10. Yeah. I think, you know, looking at the weather, looking at the extended forecast, I think, uh, it's really got the potential to be a really good tournament. And, uh, you know, it's kind of going to be the same deal, guys. My buddy's got a giant carp on right now. Um, <laughs> I was hearing it. Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, you can pick your poison. Guys are going to, you know, I'm sure wacky rig around and flip and, you know, throw a rattle trap, jerk bait, that type of stuff. I just think it's going to spread the field out and be uh, a pretty good event. All right. Anything else before uh, before I let you get back to practicing for the BFL this weekend, Tristan? No, man, I'm just, you know, it's excited. I enjoy doing these VTLs with you, man, and uh, I love talking fishing and, you know, and, and love love teaching it to, you know, the younger generation. And I think that's huge because that's um, that's the next group of people that we have coming into the sport. And, you know, and the way fishing's leading to right now, you know, it's getting a lot of hate because of all this technology and, and stuff. But, you know, don't, don't let the – I'm talking to the younger guys. Don't let that scare you because, you know, this is the 21st century and – and it's just going to keep evolving and keep getting better. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens here in the next several years. Uh, that's awesome. Like I said, uh, off to a good start this year in the open EQs, 155 fish in all of them. You're currently in 33rd place with uh, 283. I'm in 39th with 268. So we're kind of playing with fire there. Uh, when you look at the top, especially, I know you got guys like your, uh, your roommate, Cody Meyer, uh, your strike kick team, Dakota Ebear, who's doing the Kings of Bass. Uh, that episode actually dropped a couple days ago from Okeechobee. Yeah. Uh, is your episode going to be Washita? No, so mine's going to be Okeechobee as well. So, okay. so what? So what's happened? You know, they came. The whole team, the whole film crew came to Okeechobee. So we each get a show there, and um, so we'll have my episode and Dakota's episode, and then Dakota will be Washita, and they'll be with me at Santee Cooper. So it'll oh, be back that'll and be forth fun. after. Oh, dude, I can't wait. That'll be fun. All right, you can follow that on the Kings of Bass YouTube channel, the best stuff, uh, best industry stuff that's going on out there. Uh, by yep. far, a lot of uh, a lot of investment from Lose and Striking into the Bassmaster Open EQs this year. So, all right, Tristan, thank you. I appreciate it, man. All right, I appreciate it, Matt. I'll haunt you later. All right, see you. All right, that is Tristan McCormick live from Kentucky Lake. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, I think it's safe to call him the man, the myth, and the legend, especially after we kind of break down this. That would be uh, Johnny Schultz from uh, Fish the Moment and the Deep Dive app, and he is going to take an analytical approach at what should go down uh, at Toledo Bend for the Bassmaster Elite Series opener. Uh, this is really cool. If you're those guys who like to dive into the stats, regardless of what sport it is, every sport has all these stats that you could say, you know, uh, the war batting average. So like all this stuff, it doesn't exist in fishing. It totally does. Now, uh, Johnny is going to blow your mind with this. And he is actually going to do a segment, uh, like this before every single elite series stops. So we'll have to uh, get one in next week before Lake Fork because they do go back to back and then it will allow you to watch uh, and break down what is going on on the elite series tournaments. So uh, we're going to take our first break of the show. And when we come back, Johnny Schultz from the deep dive app and fish the moment breaking down the imminent. I think that's the correct use of the word, the imminent elite series tournament. That starts on Thursday on Toledo Bend. It's BTL on a Tuesday. We'll be back right after this.
The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing, from household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Tuesday. Now let's go to Johnny Schultz. What's up, Johnny? What's up, Matt? How's it going? Uh, it could be going better. I think I have a Transformer box going out, and they're not going to be here till 3. So if I suddenly freeze, you're still live. Uh, it happened once before, but you can just keep rolling, and then I'll be back in approximately two and a half minutes is what the trend seems to be. Sounds good. I love Vi Broadband. I just don't love whatever's going on on that box out there when it was windy. Like Jeffries used to always be like, oh, internet, internet. And I'm like, no, you got no, this actually is the internet. Now I feel his pain as to why he was grumpy for the majority of the uh, 13 years that we co-hosted BTL. So what are you up to, man? I saw you've been doing some stuff with uh, some deep dive stuff with the BPT that's going on now. And then uh, and then also uh, we're going to do a little breakdown of the BPT on on Toledo or the elite series on Toledo Ben. Yeah, it's been great. We've been working uh, with the deep dive team and Major League Fishing to give some analysis during some of the BPT coverage, the live streams, uh, put together a few breakdown videos of the conditions with the water clarity maps, the wind effects maps, things like that. And then actually got on live with JT and Chad the final day to kind of break down what Dustin Connell was doing 
during that uh, final day of stage one for MLF. So really cool stuff. Great opportunity there. And then, you know, just continuing to hold down the fort with deep dive and we got core tackle, we got fish in the moment. So a uh, lot on the plate, uh, not as much fishing as I'd like to be doing, but uh, this is kind of the season where you got to take advantage of all the opportunities with all the tours and stuff. So uh, can fish, I guess, later this summer. <laughs> yeah. You got to ask Chad next time you're on there, if he ever gets hot in that wool suit coat that he likes to wear on the BPT set. Dude, that's that's a crazy little new set they got going on there. They're like packed in, but it's it's pretty cool. It it is. All right. Uh let's get right down to business. Uh you sent me a PDF that I was perusing through. It's uh four or five pages just packed not with hypothetical information with okay, how do you say this? Not hypothetical, it is statistical analysis uh based on fact, correct? Correct. Based on top 10 finishes from professional level tournaments over the past 20 years. All right. We ready for the first page already? Yeah, let's go for it. There it is. Okay. So basically what we got here is the water clarity map in the deep dive app. And what we can see here is that on the left side, we have BPT stage one, February 3rd. So if you guys watched the MLF tournament that was out there, Dustin Connell, Wheeler, Drew Gill, they were catching them to Miki rigging. And that was the big deal out there. Now, the fish were still kind of in their winter patterns, and the water was pretty stained up across the lake. So if you can see in the kind of mid to upper end of the lake, most of those creeks are blown out with mud. Even on the lower end, the back half of the creeks were really muddy. So there wasn't that much clear water for those anglers of fishing, so it packed them all into those clear water areas. But for the Elite Series event, we have the water clarity map from just a couple days ago on the right side. You can see that the lower end is a lot clearer. There's more clear water in the upper end. And even the backs of the creeks on the upper end are more stained versus dirty. So it should put a lot more of the lake at play. So you might see the field spread out a little bit more than they were during this tournament, which also is going to make the fish maybe slightly harder to find this week because instead of being concentrated in those clear water areas, you kind of can fish the entirety of the lake, which is a massive fishery. I, and this is a prime example. So like this where my, my cursor is here on this right arm, that was mud and then it was stained at the mouth. And if you go over here, it's got really good clarity uh, all the way to the back quarter where then there's just some stained water instead of incredibly muddy water. Yeah. And so like in that situation there, that two weeks ago, that area may have been really difficult to fish mm -hmm. with forward facing sonar, Demiki rig, stuff like that. So those fish may have been a little bit less pressured. So that could be an area that could be really good this week, just because those fish haven't had as much pressure in the past couple of weeks. Wow. And then you can really see how it's cleared up on the lower end just in the yep. last couple of weeks. For sure. So then the next slide, we actually have the Creek where Dustin Connell didn't all of his damage the final day. And again, left side is when Connell was there. Right side is during the Elite Series event. And this is the reason why I feel like it's really important to study these macro lake conditions. Because just because Connell caught them here two weeks ago doesn't mean the tournament's going to get one here this week. And if you look, you can see the water clarity is fairly different. It was pretty clear when Connell was there. And it was one of the few clear creeks on that upper end of the lake. And now on the right side, we can see for the Elite Series event this week, it's stained up. Oh, that's and wild. It's kind of weird how it's like a very different look to that creek even two weeks later. I wonder why everything's getting clearer, but that creek is getting putting more color in it. That is that is very interesting. I, one thing I'm thinking is that there's that clear, maybe there's some clear water runoff that comes into that creek because there was some rain the week of that event. And I'm thinking that maybe there was some 
because of the rain, there was clear water runoff here and there hasn't been any rain. So now this creek is kind of normalizing back to its regular stained color versus when the guys were there before with the rain, that mm-hmm. creek actually got clear water runoff. So that's kind of an interesting yeah, situation that is, there. Yeah, that is interesting. So then if we kind of keep rolling down, we can get a look. This is actually the area of the lake where Wheeler, Connell, Wesley Strader, a lot of the top 10 throughout the event were fishing. And this is kind of on the west side, lower end of Toledo Bend. You can see, again, that water was a lot more stained mm-hmm. on the BPT tournament. But for the elites, it's a lot clearer. This could do two things. One, it could, again, spread those fish out so that maybe instead of them being grouped up just in the mouths of these creeks with all that clear water, they might be pushing back into these creeks, which may actually make it more difficult for those guys who want to do the Demiki style fishing because it's spreading those schools out more rather than compacting them in one area, making it harder to kind of dial in that bite. You may have to go cover more water, which makes you less efficient. So that may play a factor this week where I'm sure there's going to be guys still Demiki rigging and stuff, but it may not be just this like 100% most dominant pattern just based on the conditions. And, and that's just because this is when it was dominant a lot there's a lot more water that those fish could could spread out in yep the clear water's in more of the creeks so they have more clear water to sit in and the reason the clear water is helpful with the demiki rig fishing is because it's a visual technique you can catch those fish on jerk baits and alabama rigs and other Mm -hmm. things when it's more stained but it's easier to get those fish to commit in the clear water it's not impossible with the dirty water but it's just a little bit easier okay yeah so here's some stats charts i love charts, charts johnny or in it. So these are actually stats from all of the past top 10 finishes on Highland and Lowland Reservoirs in January and February. Uh, no, sorry. This is just Lowland Reservoirs. Take that back. It's all only Lowland Reservoirs that have the same characteristics as Toledo Bend. So we're talking about the same type of cover, average depth, forage, the water clarity, all these factors. We basically have filtered down our database over 10,000 patterns just to pull top 10 finishes in the exact lake situation you're finding at Toledo Bend. So in January and February, we can see that the majority of the fish are caught offshore, 67%. We can also see that in January when the BPT was there, the majority of the fish were in their winter patterns. 84% of the fish were in their winter patterns. But in February now, when the Elite Series event is getting there, 73% are going to be in their pre-spawn patterns. So these fish have probably already been making that transition from winter to pre-spawn, and they're probably closer to the like middle of the pre-spawn than they are to the wintertime patterns. And when the BPT was there, again, fish were in winter patterns. They were deep. Guys were catching 40, 50, 60 feet of water, schooling on bait with Demiki rigs. But this pre-spawn push is going to open up a lot more patterns and make it a little bit more potentially viable to do things other than Demiki rig fishing to you know do well in this tournament all right next next keeps rolling down so if we take a look oh area of top 10 finishes this is just for um you know this february time of the year this pre-spawn pattern so if you look at pre-spawn patterns back you know for the past 25 years on lakes that are mm-hmm. like this the generate top 10 finishes offshore you're dealing with offshore grass and ditches up shallower, you're dealing with standing timber in pockets, secondary points, shallow flats. So uh, if you're thinking about the offshore deal, these offshore grass ditches basically are little small little drains or ditches, grass on the sides. Fish are going to group up in small little zones in them. 
there's a million grass stitches on Toledo, but you can pull up in one of these things and you can catch 20 to 25 pounds in one little deal. Now there are fish that are called a standing timber off of hard spots. Um, deep down crankbaits could be a player, you know, your, we have a slide on baits here in a second too, but those sorts of things. But one thing that's very interesting is that the Mickey rig is not a player in the past tournaments with top 10 finishes. It's just cause it's so new. It's so new. And we don't have this last tournament. We don't really have any like pre spawn Toledo Bend tournaments where the yeah. Dimitri rig is dominated, but I still feel like because that offshore grass ditch bite is so dominant, I feel like there's going to be a good number of guys that can, especially in a five fish format, can catch enough fish in that offshore grass. Just like, you know, Jeremiah Kindy was doing over at Lake Washita. That was um, impressive. Lake Washita. Demiki Regan was a deal, but the term got e deal in grass. It's the second deal because the grass won. So that's kind it of got the, one off of stuff he was catching them on when you were like five, Johnny. Yeah, I know. He's, <laughs> he's catching them off the, the old the old classic Mr. Bass of Arkansas holes. Um, <laughs> so then on the shallow side, this is, uh, if you go back up real quick, yep. this is kind of like the your guy, Harold Allen, going out there, throwing a lizard on yep. dumps and sand and timber on shallow flats on Toledo Bend. Like that is the, uh, that's the deal right there. Classic, you know, Toledo Bend patterns. There's going to be some guy who's flipping shallow laydowns. Now they might be using live scope, to live scope those stumps. And but those he's going to be fishing timber and stumps in pockets. In pockets, flipping, you know, in the stained water. I know that that's a deal right now that's coming on pretty strong on, behind the scenes on the tour as guys live scoping in five feet or less, live scoping trees and stumps, seeing the fish swim around. They pitch their jig, their drop shot, their whatever, to those fish on all these stumps. And you can catch 30, 40, 50 fish a day live scoping shallow areas so that could be a, a big player if someone gets in the right little stump flat uh, i expect to see at least one old school guy chunking and winding doing good in a yep. pocket with stumps staining timber and a little bit of bank grass don't you there i think at least think one there's gotta be one i mean and it's it's five fish format so yeah i mean if you get in the right little pocket and everyone else is out there deep you can get 25 pounds a day which you know maybe someone's gonna freak show it and catch 30 four pounds a day for four, four days in a row. But like, you know, if that's not the case, then I think that someone has a, stands a good shot of doing well, even still fishing shallow. Are uh, we ready to put it all together? Yeah. And then last but not least, we got the best baits. So offshore deep diving jerk bait, deep diving crankbait, Carolina rig. This is going to be deep diving jerk bait over the offshore grass, Carolina rigs on hard spots, edges of grass. Deep diving crankbait um, on the hard spots, shell beds, maybe cranking some sanding timber. Um, other baits that might go really well, especially in the shallower side with like grass or ditches or laydowns. You got chatter baits, bladed jigs, you know, square bills, okay. shallow diving jerk baits. So a lot of moving baits. Um, obviously, this is conditions dependent. You know, if it gets a flat, calm day, maybe you're going to be dealing with more jigs, Texas rigs, things right. like that. But and like you said, pre this is pre pre Demiki or minnow jig head however you want to yeah. call that uh which will start being integrated into the repertoire once there's enough a sample yeah. once there's a size big enough to include it yeah there's we just don't have on that so it'd be like having the bladed jig out there in what 2007 2008 yep when everyone was like well it's gonna win this tournament but you know it hasn't ever won a tournament in the past because no one was throwing it out there in the past yep and this is all data based on 
what's happened in top 10 finishes. So it's not yeah. necessarily like going to overvalue like one or two events where the Demiki rig was dominant, though we have a feeling it's going to be really dominant. Uh, but this is a good sense of like what's been going down. Uh, is all this information available on the deep dive app or is what you're seeing a little bit behind the scenes of the deep dive app that then shows you why and how the suggested baits and patterns come up when you have the deep dive app? Uh, which is available on either uh, uh, your iTunes store or uh, Google Play. Yeah, so this is kind of a back-end view that I pull from our database directly. We actually are working on a feature here where we're going to be able to see charts like this, but this is the data that feeds everything that's in the app. So all of the recommended areas, baits, strategies, where to fish, what to throw, this is the data that backs it up. Again, a database of over 10,000 tournament patterns collected over 20 years of tournament fishing. And these are actual observed fish catches. This isn't just some guy saying, hey, I caught him on a crankbait on Toledo Bend one time. It's like mm -hmm. we see guys actually catching them on live footage doing these things. That's how we're able to get these data. But you can get these water clarity maps that update uh, multiple times a week. You get a 30-day water clarity history on these water clarity maps. We also have the wind effects maps that show you the wind and how that affects your lake. So um, a really good tool for anglers who are just trying to get a good sense of where to start on their lake before they actually get there. Or if you're struggling when you get to the lake, you can break down your lake using this tournament data, using recommended strategies based on the real-time weather, real-time lake conditions, You know the uh, all the other factors that are kind of hard to put together in your head because there's so much going on. We kind of take care of that for you and take a data-backed approach to say these are the best strategies to be using. Was it like 120 bucks a year? Uh, so for no, so the the annual subscription is only sixty dollars a year. Oh, sixty bucks a year for everything, like the high, the top of the line, absolutely everything. everything. Yep. So oh, you, I don't know why I thought it was more than that. So you get a really good deal. If you want to pay for it monthly, then it'll be That's basically a hundred bucks a year if you want to pay for it by month, but you get a, like a 30, 40% discount by paying for it as an annual pro membership. So, um, you know, go in there. We have lakes all across the country with this data. The wind effects maps are on over 2,500 lakes across the country. We're actually adding a new feature hopefully within the next week or two where you can add your own lake in there. And once you get that added in, you can drop a pin on the map. It automatically pulls this data in. We have a little questionnaire thing we figured out, and then we're going to vet the lakes ourselves too, to kind of make sure everything is lined up properly. But um, trying to get this information to as many lakes and as many people as possible. And uh, yeah, it's a really cool tool that we're excited about. Water clarity maps right now, we're also working to expand those. I think we're on like 150 lakes right now with the water clarity maps. And we're trying to get that to, up to like 300 if not more lakes um going forward so we're also working on the process of adding new water clarity lakes as we speak uh all right give me a water let's go through each like give me a winner like what they win on what the water okay. clarity is like the whole thing put all this together put your thinking cap on and tell me how this thing is is going to be dominated. Not even necessarily one, but the majority of guys when we tune in to Bassmaster Live on Saturday or Sunday, where they're where are they going to be and what are they going to be doing? Or just pick the winner. I don't care, whatever you feel like doing. So if I had a guess, um, if this is just my guess, I think it's gonna be there's two primary patterns that I would say could be really, really good. I think one is going to be fishing this kind of mid to upper end of the lake region where the water has started to clear these fish have received less pressure from other anglers local guys are going to see wheeler and all these guys catching them on the lower end those fish are going to get hammered from locals this upper end deal there was a uh, i think 
it was Dakota Ebert or somebody who was kind of starting to kind of get something figured out up in this upper end. I think it's going to be first half to middle of the creeks, slightly stained water. Um, <clears throat> if you keep scrolling down, I think that the lower end may play a little bit with the Demiki fish, but I think it's going to spread those fish out a little bit too much. There may be a couple guys that are doing that, okay. but I think the two main patterns really are going to be somebody figuring out a grass bite, probably live scoping them in the grass. But I think that someone could find a really good grass bite somewhere. I think someone else is going to find a really good standing timber stump bite somewhere where they're again, probably live scoping those fish with a jerk bait, maybe throwing a jig five fish format. All you need to do is get five big ones in the boat I think that's going to be the deal. Maybe people are going to get a little bit overexcited about the Demiki rig deal. And it's going to get, I mean, it, it, it may get one with the Demiki rig, but I feel like traditionally when one pattern feels so dominant, something else can pop up just like in, you know, the recent open over at um, Lake Washita. So yeah, that's my guess. I don't know a hundred percent for sure. Cause the Demiki is definitely like a wild card, but <laughs> those, those would be my guesses. Good stuff. All right. That's the deep dive app. Uh, I mean, this stuff doesn't exist, man. Like, you have to go in and do this. It's not like you're just regurgitating information that someone gave to you. Like, you and a team at Deep Dive and investors and all sorts. Like, it takes a lot to come up with those five slides. Like, it's, you're not just pulling that stuff out of a book. You're actually doing it, which I appreciate uh, so much because I love scouring through and trying to find patterns and things and standings and weights and finishes. So... Uh, yeah. a real cool look. And if you're watching that, it really gives you an idea of what you can be looking for. And that way you're like, holy cow, this is out in left field, or this guy is doing exactly what the statistics say he should be doing. For sure. Yeah. Nick's exciting. We're hoping to get those slides and stuff in we've, uh, or the, the charts and stuff. We actually have a build we're kind of working on, um, and uh, it'll get one strolling, no doubts. Tyler's are fishing. Okay. Getting other YouTubers here uh, with the counterpoints. I see you, Matt. Strolling. Uh, strolling. I mean, it, hopefully it gets one hover strolling on a core tackle hover rig. That would be Oh, fantastic. that was well played. I, I would I would take that any day of the week. Any pros that uh, want to go, you know, throw that hover rig around, let us know. We can get you guys a few of them uh, for your boat. But uh Yeah. That's that that wouldn't be a bad conclusion either. Look at that. Tackle mogul, statistical <laughs> analyst, app developer, and overall angler, and YouTuber, and former tournament fisherman. <laughs> Trying our best over here, Matt. We got a lot of uh pots on the stove, but uh I, I was someone asked what you did before, and I believe I told them that you forecast how many Oreos people in asia would eat every year uh it's, it's kind of close it was forecasting pizza sales at walmart oh okay so, in asia kinda. or united states no u.s all all the u.s i don't know uh, how i got oreos in asia so i was somewhere i was somewhat close though i mean yeah forecasting for sure but yeah that's what i did in the past so it's actually kind of fun because i'm doing a lot of forecasting stuff now with core tackle which is cool getting uh all of the you know demand stuff figured out on that side and then basically what we're doing in the deep dive app is forecasting what the fish are going to be doing. So it's the same thing. Fish and people eating pizza is surprised. They have surprising number of similarities. It's kind of interesting. Uh, but if you get enough good data, you can kind of start to get a feel for what the anglers are going to be doing, which is pretty cool. Uh, we called it pretty well with our last analysis on the Bass Pro Tour event one. We did a little 
preview. And it basically went down exactly how we predicted it in that video. Uh, same thing happened last year with the Toledo Bend tournament too, Matt. We, we laid the juice out for you. You kind of fumbled the bag on that one a little bit. But other than that, kind of, uh, we I totally fumbled the bag on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, it's really cool. It's pretty fun doing these tournament breakdowns and stuff with all the data. And uh, it's cool. We actually have several pros that are going to be using Deep Dive app in some of their YouTube videos and on tour, which is legal to use. It is all public information. Correct. Yep. So that's exciting where you're probably going to see some of your favorite YouTubers uh, and elite series guys using the deep dive app this year. So excited to see that as well. Is there a lake list Mike wanted to know yet? Like, yeah. So we're thinking... let me double check that on my side. I'm pretty sure uh, right now we have, we just re upped our page. Let me okay. double check. Yep. So if you go to deepdiveapp.com and then you can see lakes at the very top of the page, um, we have a whole lake list. This is kind of our current lake list with all the features. Um, so go to lakes there. So deepdiveapp.com and lakes, and you can see oh, okay. well, all the features that are on the different lakes, water inflow, best areas, tournament patterns, and water clarity. Yep. So you can see all of that and uh, which lakes we have. We have features supported mainly on our top lakes uh, by usage. We're continuing to expand this out every single week, trying to add more lakes and do new things. So we have a lot of lakes in there already, you know, 2,500 lakes in, across the U.S. You can also filter by state. So if you want to just go to, um, you know, Arkansas or Oklahoma or whatever, you can see all these different lakes and uh, allows you to get a good sense for what's happening. Holy cow, there's a bunch in here already. <laughs> yeah 2500 lakes is a lot um so if you fish on your lake there's a pretty good chance that we have your lake in there if not we also again are adding a new tool in this week hopefully that allow you to add your own lake in there if it's a smaller lake or a lake that, you know there's a bunch of little tiny lakes around oklahoma and stuff like that where you can still get water inflows you can still get all the other stuff so um uh every lake is automatically basically equipped with the wind effects and the water inflows feature plus all the bait recommendations so you get that on every lake regardless and then best areas tournament patterns and water clarity require a little bit more work on our team side to kind of get those set up per lake so those are limited to just you know a smaller subset of lakes interesting for sure uh so yeah i can go and look on like lake marion on santee cooper and it's got everything so in my yeah. open in a, in a, yeah, there you go. Good stuff. Yeah. And if you guys want to check out some of the deep dive stuff, you can also see us doing breakdowns for the stage two of the Bass Pro Tour, Santee Cooper. I'll actually be making videos for that to do recaps of qualifying day one for group A and B. And I'll also be on the live stream with JT and Chad on Sunday. And we'll be doing a little breakdown with them as well. Breaking down water clarity, inflows, wind effects, all that stuff. Uh, based on what the guys are doing on the BPT. You enjoy this stuff way too much, Johnny. <laughs> it's to the point now, Matt, where I'm doing more of this than I am fishing, and it's very fun. I do miss getting on the lake a little bit, though. I got out the other day for a little bit, and I uh, was replicating the pattern that Drew Gill was doing on Rayburn on one of the lakes around here, and it's still fun to get out there and take what the pros are doing and, and learn, and I, I still love all that stuff, too. So <sighs> the thing is, I have too many things going on. So yeah. I, I mean... I think we've been talking. Like I said we, I've known you since you were uh, like a eight-year-old kid in a trite in a trite jersey, hanging around the college events and the casting kids stuff. But you know, we've 
kind of been in contact pretty fairly recent uh, over the past three or four years and it's cool watching you going from what you like hey this is what i'm trying to do to like the rudimentary oh look like we actually are getting some data in and we're starting to oh this is actually might work this is what i want to do but our engineers don't know how to do it to now where you can just kind of come in and say like hey here it is this is what i had in my brain five years ago that i wanted to know and now we have that data so pretty cool yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, been a long journey. It feels crazy. It's been like five years we've been working on this app, uh, but it's definitely a passion project for me. We're going to keep expanding a lot of the tool sets and features. App development takes a lot longer than you would expect, but we're working on it. We're trying to provide value to anglers that's not out there already. Mm -hmm. So the tools you're going to find in Deep Dive are exclusive to Deep Dive. You're not going to find the wind effects maps or these inflow maps or these water clarity maps at the quality the consistency and the coverage on any other place on the internet, regardless of it's an app, if it's a website, if it's anything. So um, it, it's a really cool tool. And I think that if you take some time to actually look at the data, maybe compare your fishing trips, your locations, you're catching fish to what you're seeing in the app, you can gain a lot of great insights from it. Uh, what's tougher developing an app or trying to run a terminal tackle company in 20? 24. Well, uh, I would say that the app is a lot harder. I think we kind of, uh, we, we hit the sweet spot with core tackle, Matt and Stefan and I, we kind of got a pretty good deal with the hover rig and the tush right off the bat. We got two winners and, uh, there's been a lot of good word of mouth, uh, moving a lot of product, which is really cool. We actually just got, uh, expanded distribution over Dick's sporting goods. So that's pretty cool. And, uh, we're in a ton of stores all across the country. So, um, that's really been a lot of fun. And, the bait design stuff is something I've been doing. My mom told me a story and I don't really remember this super well, but I was like, apparently I was like nine or 10 years old or 12 or something. I don't remember. And I was over at the Berkeley headquarters where they have the lab. Have you, have you ever seen like the, where they have the Spirit thing? Lake Iowa or wherever yeah. it was? Yeah. Spirit Lake Iowa. So I was over there and they brought me in to do some different things when I was like casting kids champ and stuff. And I was sitting at a board with all the, the designers and I started drawing up like this swim jig design and I drew it up. And apparently I was like, this is the design I want. And I drew it up. And then as soon as I finished drawing it, apparently I raced it and I'm like, but I'm going to use that idea. So don't take it. And this is me when I was 12 years old and Matt Stefan and I have designed that jig and we're now coming out with it. No and way. We actually have finished it. And this is, and we don't have it up on the website yet. We're going to be launching it here soon, but we actually have the exact jig that I designed back then, basically almost exactly um, from when I was 12 years old. So that jig is basically like 15 years in the making uh, at this point. <laughs> it's more than 15, 17 years in the making. That's very cool. All right. Yeah. Anything else before we, uh, before we get ready to watch what's, uh, What's about to go down on Toledo Bend and what is currently going down on Santee Cooper? Um, I, I have one thing to watch, Matt. I think you'll be interested in this. There's going to be guys who are catching them off cypress trees with forward mode for live scope. And I think that's going to be a really big thing that comes out of maybe this or both tournaments where guys are scoping in two to five feet of water for spawning bass with forward mode, not perspective, but with actual forward mode picking off fish off trees like it's crappie fishing. I know it's going down. I've done it myself a little bit. I haven't had enough time on the water to make it happen, but they're setting the range at like 30 to 50 foot forward and they're watching these fish and they're just picking them off. Say. So 
I think that uh, maybe you know something about that, but I think that that's something to be watching. I'm excited to see if that kind of starts getting out in the open. I'm going to be making some videos about it here pretty soon, but uh, I think that could be a little a little sneaky deal. Heck yeah. All right, check out the Deep Dive app on your mobile device. You can just look up the Deep Dive app, and it pops right up there. 60 bucks a year for all that stuff. If you want to know if your lake is on it, go to uh, deep dive app with two P's.com. Click on the lakes in the top right corner. Uh, and then you can separate it by state or your lake and it'll see what type of layers and information is available for you on the lakes that you fish. And then also over at coretackle.com. That is, uh, I mean, that is your company and Matt Steffen's company, two guys who are on BTL all the time. Uh, that's your guys' stuff. Yep, no yeah, one we're else. the two owners, so no no one else is, is no one in it. It's just Matt and I and uh, owned by Fisherman, and all the product is made here in the U.S. Everything is produced here, shipped. Nothing nothing comes from anywhere else. It's just here in the States, so that's pretty cool. All right, thanks, Johnny. We'll, uh, we'll get you on next week. Same thing, different week, different lake. We'll be very interested to see how it goes down on Lake Fork because uh, I think you should have – a lot of data now there for as many yeah. times as bass has been there early in the year. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. There's been several tournaments in that exact time frame, so that should be a a really good tournament. There's <laughs> there's gonna be some really good events these first few tournaments. I think that we're mm -hmm. gonna see a lot of big fish. I'm excited to see a five fish format on some of these Texas lakes compared yeah. to every fish counts because I think that there were some guys who were catching 30 pound bags during the BPT and it just wasn't really getting like seen as a 30 pound bag. So I think there's gonna be some hammer bags caught in the next few weeks all right i'll get with you on uh on next week's show sounds good talk to you later matt thanks johnny all right that is the one and only johnny schultz who just looks and thinks about fishing uh differently there's a lot of bright minds in the sport right now like i said i had just had drew gill on the show uh last week talking about what uh he was going down i mean just even like a tristan mccormick from this year i met tristan in 2019 when he was like 19 20 year old college kid uh we were the only two that were staying at the la quinta for a toyota series on table rock lake and uh we started chatting so it's been cool to watch uh to watch him develop throughout his career all right we're gonna take our final break of the show when we come back break down what's going on uh the rest of the week plus an opportunity uh to come hang out with btl and the crappie chronicles crew and raise some money for St. Jude's and have a chance to win some awesome raffles in the New Prague, Minnesota area, close to the Metro at Giesenbroy Beer Company in New Prague. Uh, we'll give all the details on the Break Your PB St. Jude Dick Hiley Bass Classic fundraiser that goes down this Saturday. Uh, which I believe is February 24th from 4 to 9 p.m. It is BTL on a Tuesday. We'll be back right after this. In 2023, we became a household name in the crappie fishing world thanks to Power Breaks the Game Changer. Hey, bass fishing world, buckle up, because <laughs> you're next. It's going to be fun. Welcome to the next evolution of our product line, Power Breaks Sidekick designed to install right on your shallow water anchors. We are the first and only fishing brake company to offer a breakaway system. Just like with the Game Changer, the Power Brake Sidekick has it as well. And it's not a matter of if you're gonna need it, it's when. Power Brakes, the most durable fishing brakes available on the market today. 
Made right here in the USA with our rock-solid two-year warranty. Hey, not all fishing breaks are built equally, and you owe it to yourself to find out why ours are different. Power Break Sidekick. Order yours today at MyPowerBreaks.com. You'll be glad. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion in the last couple years with denali i've had just that from anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels. I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is gonna handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. All right, welcome back, BTL, on a Tuesday. Big shout-out to Tristan McCormick taking time away from his practice for the BFL at Kentucky Lake to talk about the Bassmaster Open EQ number two on Lake Washita. And then Johnny Schultz coming on for his uh, pre-elite series breakdown, something he's going to do prior to every stop on the elite series this season. I mentioned it before the break. I mentioned it. Uh, I'll mention it again. The Break Your PB fundraiser, uh, the guys from the Crappie Chronicles, which is uh, like the number one ice fishing uh, show. And Adam Bartuzek actually, uh, well, he it's funny. Uh, so he fished the Toyota Series last year. He got second in that Toyota Series on Kentucky Lake uh, that Tristan and I were talking about during the show. Uh, Bart did. Uh, but uh, a lot of ice fishing stuff. And then I partnered with him because I fished with Adam in the St. Jude Bass Classic, which is going to be a little bit of a rodeo this year since it's the 4th and 5th of May. And uh, we're in Alabama for the fifth, fourth, fifth, no, fourth Bassmaster Open EQ. So if I don't make the cut, I'll fly Friday night to the Twin Cities, have Adam pick me up, and then fish the fourth and fifth uh, for the St. Jude Bass Classic. If I do make the cut, he's got to have a partner on standby, but he can't practice with him because I'm technically his partner until I can no longer make it for the first day. So that'll be interesting. But anyway, uh, new Prague, Minnesota, uh, this Saturday, the 24th, four to 9 PM Giesen boy beer company, B I E R, I believe is how they spell it. Uh, the break your PB fundraiser, 
uh, $20 suggested donation for the first 50 in the door. You get a uh, commemorative pint. Uh, BTL will be uh, giving away a lot of things. Uh, Kermit Parsons, I believe. Yes, I think. Let me make sure I got this right. Uh, yes. So uh, Kermit actually did like the uh, the engraved Yetis. He did a couple one of a kind uh, St. Jude BTL yetis that uh will be up for auction at that event as well as uh denali is donating two rods we got afco jackets we got sunline packs and then a, a ton of stuff from the crappie chronicle so if you guys have any questions if you want to attend that event uh dm me at matt pangrak on instagram email me at matt pangrak or at matt at basszone.com. Uh, those are the two best ways to get a hold of me. And then uh, Adam has all this stuff on uh, the Crappie Chronicles uh, YouTube uh, and Facebook page. So, uh, all right. Uh, what do we have going on the rest of the week? I know we have something going on the rest of the week. I know. Uh, oh, Jody White is on the show tomorrow. All sorts of stuff going down. He is going to talk about the top 10 young anglers coming out of MLF right now. There's all these guys that are winning hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I I wouldn't call it like direct negligence, but I just haven't been able to keep up with it. Uh, so Jody White, who is the man over there when it comes to statistics, who's hot, talented anglers over on uh, the MLF side, not only on the BPT, but also in the uh, Toyota series and the Invitationals. Uh, he's going to come on, talk about and break down what's going on over there this year. Then Thursday, uh, Uncle Frank. And then Friday, uh, Guide Day returns. We're going to keep it in the Midwest, a show with Casey Scanlon talking about guiding on probably the busiest recreational traffic lake in the country, which is Lake of the Ozarks. And then some really cool stuff uh, next week as well. So we're trying to keep it. Thanks for sticking with uh thanks for sticking with us through the uh through the internet fiasco, which should be fixed by tomorrow, based on what I've been told. But uh that's all we got for today. Thank you, Tristan McCormick. Thank you, Johnny Schultz. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. See ya. <laughs>